Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi. And Klee. And in this podcast, we are going to talk about communicating through art and what that means to us and how it is that we use the tools of our trade to be able to communicate uh, what it is that we want to say through our art. Yeah, I love this topic because art essentially is communication, is it not? Yeah. Whether you are a writer, whether you are a musician, whether you are a painter, whether you are a jewelry creator, whatever it is that you do, write poetry, that it, it's all about communicating. I think that that is one of the main things that escapes a lot of like uh, aspiring artists is the idea that the artwork that they're creating um, has to have some kind of like deep philosophical or political meaning when in actuality, when we're talking about communication, it doesn't matter what the communication is, as long as it is a topic that means something to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so like with what I do, um, it has meaning for me, but I took me years to understand how I'm translating that meaning through right. my art. Right. Essentially, it's like finding your voice. I think for, for musicians, they call it finding your voice. But mm -hmm. it's interesting because that kind of works with any media oh, absolutely. that you're talking about. Across the board, finding your voice, finding a way to express what you're feeling when you're creating. One of the statements that I've read is generally the artist is expressing both intellectual and or emotional concepts that are often restricted by the spoken or written word by moving us into another world. And I think that the idea of moving us into another world has more to do with perspective. Like if you're moving into that, it, it's like watching the Lord of the Rings, right? Mm -hmm. That's a completely different fantasy world. Yeah. And while you're watching it, you're pretty much just completely lost in that world. Right. And for that moment, while you're watching it or reading the books, you are immersed in the world of Tolkien mm -hmm. and you're inside that person's mind and you get to catch a glimpse. You catch a glimpse because no matter what, you're always looking at something through your own filter of understanding. But at least for a moment, there is a relatable filter because you're being thrown out of the reality that you're used to and into a world that is completely made up and fabricated by the person that created it. Yeah, and I think that that's fascinating too, what you just said, that the viewer or the receiver of the art is going to process the world through their own filter, but basically you're offering them context as the artist. Right, exactly. You're offering them context. And I think that that's, that's what uh, is most important to keep in mind when you are creating something, because a lot of people... Uh, they want to create something innovative. They want to create something that has never been done before. And I think that uh, people get lost in the idea of trying to create something innovative that's never been done before and being too afraid to do anything that is similar to what has been done before. But really, when it comes to life, whether it is music, art, or writing, um, your context is the stuff that has been done before. That's where the history comes in, because when you look at uh, music, for example, uh, everybody has context when it comes to 
da 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 you know like there yeah. there is a story there already there is an image there is a feeling there is something that comes with it um a lot of the old uh, songs uh, from the opera like mozart or beethoven or stuff like that a lot of those songs have already given us the context of what is sad what is happy mm-hmm. we've seen that we've seen how much of an effect that context has on people when you go to different cultures and you look at uh the the different frequencies that they use for happiness in their music yeah, versus sadness what's sad versus happy as far as note structure in different cultures is very different it varies yeah I struggled with the whole idea of wanting to be innovative and do something that had never been done before. Right. And what I came to realize was that um, going at it with that intention is pretty stressful. Oh, yeah. And um, some of the most innovative stuff that I've done either came out of just playing around or just being totally immersed in it, like that new thing that I had never done before would just unfold as I was creating and creating and creating, almost like fully immersing myself in the world to allow that new creation to unfold, if that makes sense. It does. It does make sense. I mean, and that's that's uh, when, when I'm working on a painting, a lot of times um, I have an idea, like a very fuzzy idea of what I want to see. Maybe I saw an image or a photograph or another painting that inspired me, whether it was in subject matter or color or just the way that the, it made me feel. I'll, I'll get started on the painting and let the painting take its own direction. And I think that that's where the a lot of people that are trying to find innovation um, they lose. Stop themselves. They, they stop yeah. themselves because innovation comes from uh, inspiration. And imagination. And imagination. Yeah. Innovation comes from inspiration, imagination, and sometimes laziness. I mean, a lot of people think that my spinning easel is brilliant and that it's innovative. There's a lot of versions of that that came before. And really, it was inspired by laziness because I didn't want to have to like, you know, pick up my painting, turn it around. Or walk while around it. Was it. Yeah, yeah. Walk around it and do all that stuff. So I created my own spinning easel Using materials and using ideas that came before it, I just tweaked it for myself to work for me. Yeah, I think so. Everything was inspired by something, right? Yeah. Uh, music is always, almost always influenced by other music, art influenced by other art. The one thing, the, the one variable is your unique perspective. Yes. So you almost can't help but to be innovative because no one else has the perspective you have if you're allowing it to flow. Exactly. As long as you're allowing it to flow. Uh, I know that we get contacted by a lot of people that are like, well, Rafi, you know, I I use reference photos and I use, uh, is it wrong if I'm inspired by a painting by another artist? And my answer to that is it all depends. Are you simply copying word for word, uh, you know, or in an image, image for image uh, of that other artist's work? Or are you inspired by something in the work and creating it to, to make it easier for like painters and, and artists and stuff? Um, I would say it's the same thing that would happen in school where if you had to write a paper and you went online and just copied the paper, just copy and pasted the paper and then handed that in, 
Um, that's not original. Right. You know, that is simply copying something that came before. Now, if you are reading through that and you are inspired by this paragraph or this statement or something, or there's something in there that you want to quote or put in there, then it is inspired by the work and it is totally original because you are nitpicking the things that mean something to you that are relevant to you that you think are important and thus creating something that is original even though something came before it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and that's how it works with music. A lot of the, the new music that people are like, that's so innovative. It's like well, they were inspired by the Beatles. They were inspired by so many other musicians that came before them. Mm-hmm. And it could be like one chord. Yeah. One chord progression, a word. Yeah. It- I have paintings that I've worked on that it is the expression or the ways, if I do a figurative piece, the way that the eyes were looking to the left or a certain stance. I love that stance. It makes me feel empowered. I want to put that in the next piece that I, I'm not going to create the same exact work of art. And in fact, I wouldn't be able to duplicate the stance even if I wanted to. Right. Because I'm going to use myself as a model or I'm going to use you as a model. So like there, there is a big difference between simply copying something and creating something. Now, the problem is, I think that a lot of people don't think that it is innovative uh, because they're, oh, well, it's something that came before. It, when you start to really understand that everything has come before, mm-hmm. that everything that has any type of context whatsoever came before and is possibly something that inspired you, and especially if you're going to communicate it to people um, it has to be something that has context, you know, and, and context is based on the things that came before, like we were saying about the music. Um, also the other thing, uh, you know, like you, with words, think about the context here, right? If I say bride, boom, an image pops into your head, right? Mm-hmm. If I say the princess bride, boom, a totally different image pops into your head. Absolutely. Yeah. And see, and that's where context comes in. Because for everybody out there that has watched The Princess Bride, immediately at some point, you're going to think of the uh, R-O-O-U-T-S, the the big giant rats. You're going to think of as you wish and falling down (laughs) the side of a cliff, right? This entire story forms in your head from three words that were strung together based on a creation that came before. Right. And so, like, if you were to use that in poetry or use that in a song, that right there already has the context to build that world that was already there. So are you saying that it's not as complicated as people make it out to be? I mean, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people try too hard. You know, they, they just, they try too hard. They try to be innovative. They try to find deep meaning to, oh, oh, I need to be a philosopher. I need to be this. And it, it really doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. Like if you love bees, mm-hmm. right? If you're like bees are important to this planet and you're a photographer and you go out and you shoot all these stunning pictures of bees on flowers. Mm-hmm. That right there has context. It has a deep meaning to you. It means something to the artist. And it doesn't have to be like deep and serious. It could be ridiculous and funny and topsy-turvy or whatever it is. As long as it has some 
kind of meaning to you. Let's think about the goggles. Right. Uh, now, some of you guys don't know what the goggles are. Uh, so if you could briefly describe the goggles. Okay. So the goggles are these, uh, they started out as these little round balls of clay that pretty much look like a bowling ball. They've got an opening for the eyes and the mouth and then two little dots for the nose. So picture like a bowling ball with two little nose dots. Uh, over the thumb hole. For a lot of people, when they look at the agoggle, they look like they're agog over what you're doing. Yeah. They are your biggest cheerleader. They're and now, completely enthralled with you. Yeah, now you're creating the felt, the, the fuzzy, fuzzy agoggles. And, uh, so like we've got, we've got this series that really anybody could look at. And out of that context, they're looking at it. It's like, well, that's dumb. That's ridiculous, you know? But when you really get into the context and especially the, the world that we've built when it comes to the goggles and, you know, the, the fantasy place of where they come from and how they're your biggest fan and they, they, they're like plants. They live off of love and, and they exhale joy. They exhale joy. Uh, in, in creating that world, these little tiny round lumps of clay take on a completely different context. Yeah, and they're they're kind of like building their own narrative over time. So what started as like a pretty simple concept of like, I'm going to create this thing that's happy and supportive of you, like a friend who yeah. never lets you down, right? Yeah. Um, they're kind of creating their own world at this point. The more we let our imaginations go with who they are and what they do, a lot of people might dismiss that as silly or not that meaningful as far as the art world is concerned. But you know, I actually think that it's pretty relevant. It has to do with human emotion. Of course, people think that uh, some uh, serious works that are out there are silly. People have their own perspective when it comes to anything and what meaning it has to them. Really, the goggles, if anybody doesn't like the goggles and their perspective is like, well, that's silly and that's meaningless, then they're just miserable people in my mind because Probably. like you're missing out on the magic of uh, having an goggle. The thing about it is like when people talk about innovation, are the goggles innovative? No, they're not. The goggles are a creation that I created. Um, and did anything come before it that was similar? You sure? The pet rock? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I guess so. You know, the, you had the pet rock. You had these uh, digi, uh, digi friends. Do you remember those digital friends that you would keep alive that you had oh, in your pocket? Yeah, you had it. They were like a little tiny digital pet. And yeah. You had to feed them and like do things with them and they would get sad if you ignored them. Yeah. Yes, I had one of those. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it, it's almost like a, like a combination of having your own personal cheerleader at work. Also thinking about when I was at work. Uh, when I was working in the corporate world and the different things that I would put on my desk to make me happy to be able to get through the day. In thinking about all of those things, that's where the goggles came from. It came from a mix of this DigiPet, the Pet Rock, and being miserable at work and, <laughs> and wanting something to add color and, and happiness and joy to my day. So, are they a personal creation that means something to me? Yes, they mean empowerment and happiness and joy mm -hmm. and being able to share that in the world. Will everybody see that? No. Some people are going to see uh, just a ridiculous lump of clay. But that you could say that about anything. I've had people look at some of my paintings and say, well, that's just paint on wood. Right. Now, when you first created your first agogle, did you know that full narrative as you were creating it? 
Uh, as I was creating it, no. And in fact, for the most part, I've got a very fuzzy image of what the creation is going to be and what it means. Originally, my thought was like, well, there was the pet rock and that brought a lot of joy. And when I was a kid, I wanted a pet rock. My parents wouldn't buy one, you know, because they were like, it's a rock. I went out and found my own pet rock and made a leash for it. So did I. I made my own pet rock. Um, but you're also a human that, like me, you tend to see faces in inanimate objects. Yeah. I think a lot of humans do. Yeah, actually a lot of, I think most people see faces in inanimate objects. Yeah. Which is why a lot of people are like, I saw Jesus on my toast. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, (laughs) <laughs> when we went when we went on our road trip, uh, there was that picture. Remember the photograph when you fed the hungry tarpon? Yes, this fish opened its big, wide, gaping mouth as it leapt out of the water at me, and I happened to snap a picture of it. Yeah, and inside its mouth. It seriously looks like the face of Jesus. Yeah, I know. There was the shadowing effect on the tongue and everything. I was like, (gasps) what does it mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny how that works, though. But it's interesting because these are the things that because they have that meaning to me and they bring that amount of joy to me, I I am super excited about sharing – the goggles. Mm-hmm. And I am super excited about sharing a lot of the work that I do. A lot of the work that I create when I'm working on a painting or a sculpture or anything, like I said, there is a fuzzy idea and there is a certain context that goes into it. Um, but it, then it's afterwards when I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the piece and I'm admiring the piece. You know, when you're done with that work of art and you're like, wow, I created that. And then you really, really go deep into feeling the emotions of it. And like, wow, this this actually has way more meaning for me than I realized when I was creating it. Which is the power of allow not overthinking it, allowing the creation to happen from a place that I think is deeper than trying to be methodical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't – creativity for me, there's – methodical and creativity don't really go hand in hand for me Um, because it's innovation uh, creation those kind of things those are those come from experimentation and and having fun and doing things that you've never done before pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone I think a lot of artists take this topic seriously and I think a lot of artists get really stressed out about it so like you were listening to a podcast yesterday and the artist said, um, you know, that the, that art really only has value if it is communicating something. Right. And hearing that statement, even though we talk about all these topics on the regular, yeah. could stress a person out. Yeah. I, I found myself stressed out at that statement because, well, what am I saying with my jewelry? Well, yeah. And we're talking about Ai Weiwei, who, when he's communicating about art, he's, he is definitely, he's, he's got like a political agenda. He's, yeah. he's trying to, you know, which, which when I'm sitting there, if I'm comparing myself, and this is why it's important not to compare yourself to other artists, because if I'm sitting there comparing myself to him and, and thinking about the goggles, Right. Right. These are supposed to bring you joy. Like I almost I feel like like an idiot. Like I'm a I'm I'm not doing enough. Right. And me, too. So like, um, you know, my overarching message with my jewelry is like I like rocks a whole lot. Now, it goes deeper than that. I'm fascinated by the origin story of planet Earth and minerals and the right. history that's there. And I'm also fascinated by light and how light interacts. So that that's the story I'm telling. But 
Is it going to change the world? Uh, I don't know. It might give people an, an appreciation yeah, for nature. But the thing is that you could think about that in any way, shape, or form. You could actually look at what Ai Weiwei is doing and say, like, well, is that going to change the world? Is that actually going to have the impact that you meant it to have? Right. But I think I, I, we have a tendency to let our mind go there when you think about a message – Right. Sending out a message like your brain's like, it's not, it's never going to have the kind of impact that yeah, and whatever. I, and that's, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is that will the goggles have a huge impact on everybody that comes across it? No. Will it have deeper impact on some people than others? Will there be some people that say like, this is exactly what I needed in my life right now. We've had that response from people. We've had people that see them and they're just these fun little things. We've had people that see them and it's a big deal. We had somebody who bought one and um, she took it to the nursing home to her mom. And it's it, now her mom has this little goggle as a little friend that hangs out with her. Mm -hmm. There is so much psychological power that goes into small tokens of happiness that it is extremely meaningful. Is it meaningful to everyone? No, absolutely not. Right. No matter what work you're doing, does it have to be deep political, uh, important, uh, sociological, like this? No, it doesn't have to be. And that, that is where a lot of people get mixed up because if you're sitting there and you're comparing your art and the stuff that you're creating to somebody who is out there making a political statement or mm -hmm. making a world statement or, or leaving, you know, like you get the art world that goes out there and says like, well, this is important art. This is not important art. Right. And my thing is like, it is all important. It is all important because it all has meaning to someone. And so you can't compare that I think is the biggest issue is that as artists, especially when we're getting started and you get confused by the art world because the art world says one thing is important. This is not important. This is important. Right. And in retrospect, we have determined that this was important. Right. They didn't know it while they were alive. Yeah. A bunch of people giving their opinion on stuff based on their perspective of the world and because they maybe have some position in the art world or something – then a lot of other people buy it because this person is an expert and this is what they said. And so this must be the truth. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that there are so many people out there saying opposing things that it is completely and utterly um, confusing yeah, for anybody it, that wants to get into the art world. It could be super overwhelming and stressful if you think that like you have to communicate to some kind of abstract standard. Right. Set forth by the art world. I mean, I forget what her name was, but uh, like her artwork, I know that she struggled in the beginning. I, most artists, most artists that are very well known struggled in the beginning. But like when you're looking at her artwork, um, she started molding things out of fiberglass and using rubber and using different materials because they were the cheap materials that were available to her. And nowadays it's she's called Innovative. And this and that, even though she was having a make it work moment, she was having a make it work moment. And there were a lot of artists that were having make it work moments. So mm -hmm. what was it that set her artwork apart and made her artwork important when in actuality, it's just a bunch of uh, cotton strings 
coated in rubber material dipped in fiberglass. Why does that have meaning? Why does a can of an artist shit, whether or not it actually has artist shit in it, why is that important art? Why does that have meaning? Why does what's his name signing his name on a urinal mean something? Oh, because of the time and because of the difference and the art, the context of the art that came before it and all this stuff. Everybody has a different perspective and a different idea of what important art is. Mm -hmm. And really, I have sold paintings at the farmer's market that have caused people to burst out in tears. I have sold pieces that will never be considered real art or important art that means so much to that person you just never know just because there's one joe schmo out there saying like this is what important art looks like and this is what non-important art right. looks and like this art is saying something and this art is not saying anything. yeah it's all saying something it's all saying something absolutely so your your task as the artist is to communicate whatever it is from an authentic place yeah and then your job is done because the communication, once it's, uh, once, once you put it out there, whoever is receiving it audibly, visually, olfactory, yeah. um, they're going to receive that communication however they do. Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing you got, you have to remember because a lot of people will ask me, do you think that this art is any good? They'll send me their art. And I'm like, I, really, you're going to ask me? But that's where the confusion comes in. Is this good? Is my art good? Right. I remember being at a show and a lady approached you about your art. And she said, I really like your art. Is your art considered good art? Yeah. Yeah. And you is, were like, well, I really like it. Yeah. Is your art considered good luck? It's not only the artists out there that are confused, but a lot of the art buyers because yeah. they think that they need to be told what is good art and what isn't good art. And it, it's, it's really, it's really effing ridiculous how confusing something as simple and as personal and relative as art has become. Because of all the stupid money-making bullcrap in the art stock market, mm -hmm. where it's all about the commodities and the investment and uh how much this art is worth and what provenance it has because so-and-so bought it and this person bought it and now I'm going to buy it and I'm probably going to make $20 million on it. Like, it has made things so confusing. The young aspiring artists out there that wants to get out into the art world sees all these books, all these articles, all this stuff on this bullshit art world that exists. And I'm not saying that it's all bullshit. There are a lot of galleries and curators and, and, and artists out there that are in that world that are really in it because they're, they, passionate. they're passionate about what they do and what they're sharing. And, but there's a lot of fucking, there's, there's a lot of, uh, sharks and snakes in that world they're all in it just for the money mm -hmm. do you want to make a good investment then you want to go to this art consultant and not that art consultant and their fee is only one million dollars a year like it is so stupid that world is accounts for maybe like less than one percent of the actual art market 
the actual art market in the world is the individual artist who is creating these individual things and they have their collectors and people that want it's the individual the, artist who struggles and wonders if what they're doing is innovative right, and communicative. Right. Yes. And, and of course what they're doing is innovative because they created it. And the only thing that, that, you know, that, that, that structure, that art world actually works really well to keep people from trying to go out there thinking that the way that they're putting the, their stuff out there is the wrong way. Um, not understanding that, Hey, art is communication. Put your stuff out there in whichever way you possibly can. And then just keep putting your stuff out there and keep putting your stuff out there and don't give up. That's the way that you communicate your art with the world. Art is intrinsically, innately communication. Yeah. And I mean, and there's people out there that, you know, they write into a journal and stuff like that. And maybe some people uh, create art as that journal thing. But even a lot of those people, it's almost like they have this idea that, well, my stuff will get discovered after I die, you know, and that comes from that art world perspective that 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 whole like confusing art world perspective posthumous that's, importance yeah, that's not how it works it really isn't the, the the starving artist is a complete and utter myth that is created to keep you from but to keep you in a place where you think you're doing everything wrong to keep you from earning any big revenue while you still live and breathe yeah exactly it is it is such absolute and complete bullshit that the starving artist myth is based on the idea that you have to be discovered mm-hmm. and and was, that it's... you have to be discovered by a gallery by an art agent by a museum by whatever it is and those are the gatekeepers it was most apparent i think early on in the music world where you had to wait for a record label to discover you and then you basically had to do whatever they said they owned you yeah uh which is not the case anymore you can just Go put your music out there exactly. on whatever platform you choose. Look exactly. at Macklemore. Yeah. And look at, look at the innovation and the opportunities that us artists have for ourselves right now. Put your stuff out there. Quit dilly-dallying. Quit thinking that you're getting it wrong. Uh, d- d- just put your stuff out there and keep creating. Keep creating. Create art because that's what we do as artists. Put your stuff out there. Realize that whatever you're creating, if it has some kind of authentic meaning to you and it doesn't have to be deep and philosophical or anything. Right. You don't have to come up with a complicated no, meaning. No, it just needs to mean so it, it means something to you, whether it's like, I like that color blue. Whatever it is, just as long as it's something that you enjoy and that you love creating, that is how you find your voice. Absolutely. That's how you find your voice. Yeah. You don't, you don't find your voice by thinking about it, coming up with a concept. I am going to come up with a million dollar concept. I don't know how many times I see artists do that. And I'm like, just, just chill out. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Let it mean what it means to you. Let other people apply whatever it means to them. And you, you don't have any control over what it means after you're dead. Right. It could be right. really important or it could be found at a garage sale. Exactly. I think that's uh, that's all we have time for today with the communicating of the art. Did, I know that we went off on a lot of tangents there, but we I did. mean, it all has to do with our communication. It all has to do with different perspectives because really that's what it's all about. You could be sitting there and showing a piece of art to someone and they're going to see whatever it is that they decide to see. Mm-hmm. So that part doesn't really matter. What matters is what it means to you. 
And then having that communication, having that conversation with that person and watching those perspectives bounce back and forth. Those are the things that fascinate me. So if you guys have any questions for us that you'd like us to answer on the podcast, just go to www.rafiandklee.com. And if you go to the four artist section, there is a button on there that says, ask us a question or do you have a question? I don't know. It says something like something that. Something about asking us yeah, a question. Exactly. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening, you guys. You guys are absolutely freaking amazing. I totally adore you. And if you like this and you want to listen to more like this, just click somewhere around here to subscribe. And that's it. Say goodbye, Clee. Good day. Adios.